this is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Okay, here we go. I feel like we have some pressure on us because we always end up doing the whole podcast and then realize that we don't like it and doing it again. But we don't always do that. This time we are on my lunch break from work, so <laughs> we basically have one shot to get. Um, I was just saying I've been getting this James Clear newsletter and he's been talking about good things. So it's called 321 and he does three ideas from him, two quotes from others, and one question to think about. So it's there's not a ton of stuff in the actual newsletter. It's not super long, but I, I like what he said about uh, forget about peak performance. Would your results improve if you simply focused on being reliable in the normal moments? Show up when it's easy to skip. Do the fundamentals and do them well, and so on. Before you make it complicated, remember there are always simple improvements waiting to be made. I think everything now in weightlifting, um, just anything in specific, particular, if you're looking on social media, everything's about like just doing everything perfect, peak performance all the time. How can you optimize everything? And I think this is a good thing to think about, like for forgetting about the peak performance and what are the things that you're doing? Because I think a lot of people want to make these drastic improvements. They want to, you know, lose 50 pounds or they want to put 20 kilos on their snatch, but they're not thinking about what they can do to add one kilo on their snatch. Or yeah, to, or to lose one pound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's um, that's good. That's something for me too. I'm always, and you've known this the last couple of years, I've always been trying to optimize everything, but I think it leads to a lot of unhappiness and it leads to you thinking you're always failing. If you're always trying to do everything perfect and you inevitably don't, then you every day you're kind of looking in the mirror. It's like, oh, I didn't do this today. I didn't do this. But you can think about like the couple things that you did, showed up and did really well. Yeah, but I think you've gotten a lot better over the last year even. Yeah. When, Especially since we got Curtis. <laughs> you had to let a lot of things go. Yeah. Because we used to have like the morning routine and I would sit you there. You had the morning routine, the mid-morning routine, the lunchtime routine, the afternoon routine, et cetera, et cetera. I think everything had to be perfect. I, like I, you know, needed to train at this time. I needed to eat at this time in order to train perfect. And then sometimes you just all things go out the window. He has diarrhea or he starts throwing up and it's like, well, I'm not going to the gym today and I have to be okay with that. I think that's been good. It's been, but for me, it's, it's also been hard too, because I think I go the opposite way too. Like if you think, oh, well, I don't need a morning routine. And then it's very easy to, I'll start to notice like, oh, I haven't journaled in three weeks. I know I feel better when I journal, but I just, don't do it because I feel like it's not important when it's probably better to just do two minutes if I have it. Yeah. I should get back into journaling too. I haven't journaled since we lived in Westchester. Really? Mm -hmm. So that's been what, like five months? Yeah. So that's a long time. I do feel like it's helpful to just get your thoughts out there to 
actually write them down. Usually when I write them down, I'm like, okay, these are not rational thoughts, but it's nice to, to write it down and see it on paper and then be like, okay, now I can think about stuff logically. I think that's been helpful. Um, so we just moved from Colorado to Texas. I think both of us thought that it was going to be a lot easier to leave Colorado than it actually was. So what's your, your thoughts on the move and how Colorado went? I mean, Colorado was awesome. And unfortunately, it wasn't really awesome until a few weeks before we left. Like, it was beautiful. We did a lot of things. We went hiking. We saw a lot of different sites. Did some little mini trips within Colorado, which was really nice. But we didn't really start hanging out with people until two or three weeks before we moved. And that was really tough. Like... You know, we met some people at the gym, but we didn't really make friends at the gym. And then it was just like the friends that we did make, we had to say goodbye really quickly. So that was hard. I would go back to Colorado. Yeah, I saw you were looking at the furnished finders today. I was very happy. (laughs) I loved it there. I I think I'm the same way where I didn't know that it was going to, I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. But just the ease of, hey, what do we want to do today? And there's a million things that we can always go for a hike or we can. And I think that's something that we learned probably a little bit later on, too. Like we have to force ourselves to get out. Yeah. Because it was a lot of a lot of times you could just, you know, get the let the day slip away. And then you realize we've been watching too much TV and we wasted a day that we both weren't working. So I think we were pretty good about that overall. Yeah, we didn't really do that in Colorado. We started doing that here (laughs) already. But it's also been really crappy weather here. Like Colorado was unbelievably beautiful all the time. And San Antonio so far has been raining (laughs) every day. Well, I was thinking about that too because I know here it's super hot in the summer. So you basically have to, unless you want to live in California, which we obviously can't afford to do, you have to pick one or the other. It's going to be freezing in the wintertime or it's going to be super hot in the summertime. There's not many places that we can find that are going to be a balance where it's 60 or 50 to 70 all year. Yeah. I just don't know if I am willing to, like if we choose to live in Colorado, I don't know if I'm willing to choose to accept, all right, it's going to start snowing in October and then it'll stop snowing in May. Like that's a long time of winter and not being a winter person. That's, that's a long time. (laughs) So I feel like I would need to figure out more things to do in the winter that are enjoyable because I mean it is beautiful it's absolutely stunning but also like the food wasn't great yeah but do we really need to eat out that much no we ate out out quite a bit there were a good couple of spots that we found at the end yeah so we could always like make a point to choose the good spots to go but yeah I don't know yeah I mean, it sucks because I think Pennsylvania, we both wanted to get out of the cold. So to to go somewhere where it's going to be cold really more cold. often <laughs> and snowing. It didn't snow much in Pennsylvania. That was one nice thing. Yeah. 
global warming, am I right? <laughs> um so as far as the the actual move, I feel like this one was super easy. We knew what to expect with Curtis. So the first time I was I know I was very stressed out about actually being in the car cuz I expected him to just be a crazy maniac and he ended up being really good. I think we talked about that on one of our recent episodes, but he just literally sleeps the whole time. So we know that we can pick up it, drive anywhere for 12 hours, 16 hours, and we'll be completely fine. Not in one day. We'll do it in a couple of days, but we're fine to just do that really whenever. And he's totally good. Yeah. And I think we did it really well this time by stopping halfway and getting to our halfway point relatively early so that we had daylight so we could play with him outside and make sure he got tired enough where he slept. I mean, he didn't sleep through the night again, but he did better, I think, than the cross-country trip. That's the hardest part is having the dog and knowing he's going to wake up a couple times throughout the night. Yeah. So he was just scared. He was just like, I don't know where I am. I don't know these smells. Where, where are my barns? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's obviously the most difficult because when we're alert, when we're driving, he's sleeping. And then as soon as we get done, he's ready to go and we're super tired from driving all day. I do feel like the road trips, I think we did do a little bit of a better job stopping this time and just getting out and stretching, but still we could probably be better at that too. Yeah, but I feel like we didn't really even need to this time. Like we did, what, five and a half hours on day one and about seven-ish on day two. And we stopped like every hour and a half. Yeah. Roughly. It does feel weird being those people in the parking lots. Like if you're going to do air squats or. Yeah, we literally did a bunch of air squats in the parking lot. I wish that was kind of more normalized though. It never will be. Just get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm, I'm really excited to be down here to train because we haven't really trained. You trained at Philly Barbell, which you see a lot of high level athletes, but the gyms that we've trained in, we just haven't trained around a bunch of high-level athletes. So, like, seeing Aaron clean and jerking 200 kilos, I've never seen that before in person. That's pretty wild. But I think it's cool to just see when you're around other people who are in your weight class or around your weight class and are much stronger than you, I think it's just naturally motivating. Yeah. And it's been cool, like, I'm very happy and thankful that Brittany has allowed me to come and train not only at bear, but like this weekend when it's bear camp. So I was able to do some stuff and meet people and everybody seems super nice. So I'm really excited to meet more people and like hopefully grow relationships there. Well, I think it was important too, that you actually did what people were doing to. Yeah. Like instead of my program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wasn't going to just be that person. I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. Because it's it's there it's that camp it's not mm-hmm. the Dana show. I <laughs> I would say for me personally, like I've been that guy before too, where I you know I would do everything I could to be on my program, and it's like everything's about me. But really, like when you're in that environment, and I didn't know that it was full on just max out your clean and jerk. And snatch. So I was doing 
like I was doing my actual program, but I didn't know. Why didn't you ask? I don't know. I was just, Why are it, you so much in your shell still here? I don't know. I wish I could just kind of get out. I just whistled a little bit. <laughs> I can't do that normally. I, I don't know. know how that happened. Yeah, but I probably, I don't know. The environment's tough for, maybe because I haven't been in that, like the big Friday kind of energy where people, and I told you I was, you know, people love weightlifting so much. And I see them and I've gotten to go to nationals. This will be my first AO finals where I've gotten to do, but everything I feel like in weightlifting has always just been, I've always enjoyed it. I really love it, but I'm not attached to weightlifting. I'm not thinking about it all day. You used to. Yeah. But just, I would say at this point in my career, I think it, it's also better for me to not become so obsessed with it because whenever I have been where it's been the only thing that's important to me, it's usually led to injury or burnout or a combination of both. Yeah. I have to just, I have learned now to just go with the flow and like I'm doing whatever my body allows me to do at this point. And I'm grateful for Jim giving me a program, but like I can't follow the program all the time. So with all of the back stuff I've been dealing with, I just do what I can. And if that means I have to power, great. If that means I have to skip squats and do something completely different, then fine. If it means I'm feeling really, excuse me, I'm feeling really good. And like on Friday, I didn't expect to go heavy. I hadn't lifted in a while and ended up going up to like 54 for snatch and 68 for clean and jerk. And I feel like I should have just kept going. Do you feel like, and you're a relative, obviously relatively new master's lifter, but do you feel like that's something that you've had to adjust to? Obviously when you have an injury and you have to make changes around your program, do you, but do you feel like masters in general need to do more auto-regulation with their cells and like checking in? Yeah, because our bodies suck. Our bodies are crapping out on us and it's happening at rapid speeds. (laughs) I just can't handle it. Um, Because like mentally, I'm 26. Physically, I'm probably in my 50s, (laughs) 60s. I don't know. Like there's just things that go wrong. I never expected to have a back issue, especially after not actually having like an injury. Um, But yeah, it's... You just got to adjust. I know Chris was saying that, and he's going to be on the podcast soon. I was just texting with him this morning. But he was saying how bad of a thing it is for doctors to tell people, oh, you have the back of a 56-year-old or your hips are 68 years old because then people, you you start to believe that. Yeah. Not just like you have an injury that's temporary. You're going to work through it. You obviously have to do things in the meantime that change your program or you don't want to do. You have to do things differently. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, if they say your hips are 60 and then it doesn't mean in two years you're going to be 62. You're just, your hips need some extra love. Yeah. Him and Nick had very similar 
uh, theories as far as mindset and positive thinking and stuff. And I do believe in it. It's hard when you're in the moment and you're living through a flare up injury and it's like, holy shit, I'm in so much pain. It's so hard for me to be positive, but I do believe that it works and to think like, okay, I'm going to feel better tomorrow. I'm going to feel better tomorrow. And even if you don't, it's like, keep telling yourself that you are going to feel better and tell yourself that you're doing all of the things that you're supposed to be doing in order to get better and in order to maintain a healthy body and you will get better. So like when I had my injury in February and Nick told me, well, it wasn't Nick, but, um, a chiropractor said, Oh, it sounds like it was a slip disc. And I freaked out. I was like, holy shit, what does that mean? A slip disc? That sounds awful. I, I had no clue what that meant. And the first thing I asked was, how long does this take to heal? Because I had master, master, master's nationals coming up in March. This happened in February. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm done. I'm done for the year. And my brain went so negative. And if I didn't hear that, oh, it, it was a slip disc. And if I just immediately went to like, okay, what do I do? What exercises can I do to relieve this pain right now? I probably would have gotten better a little faster because Nick was like, well, how did that make you feel? And I was like, awful, you know? So, but Chris has the same mindset and he's like, don't think about what the injury is. Don't think about, you know, oh, a herniated disc. It sounds so bad. Even when I told my mom, she was freaking out, you know, a herniated disc is actually not that bad. Uh, so many people have them. According to Chris, he's like, yeah, tons of people walk around with herniated discs and they have no idea. Um, but if you're in a flare up, like it's very painful. So that's what I think I would guess that people say, oh, my back went out. I bet they have a herniated disc. And it's like, your back didn't go out. Your disc is probably just pressing on a nerve and you don't know how to relieve that pressure. You don't know the proper exercises to do. Well, I think the one thing that I learned from Andrew, who was on the podcast recently, was saying the physical therapy exercises in chiropractor, they're doing those manipulations basically to get you back to more movement. So it's not when you have an injury like that, you're not going to the chiropractor to fix the actual problem. There's probably nothing that they can do for a herniated disc that's going right. to heal it right away. But what he's trying to do is get people to actually move more. Mm -hmm. So if we can do those manipulations, if you can do the bird dogs, the curl ups and everything, the and then ups, if yeah. you can walk more, if you can run, if you can get your heart rate up, mm -hmm. then those things are all going to benefit to your healing. Not just, oh, I have a back issue. I need to go to a physical therapist so they can fix it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have that realization that you know, they're supposed to fix stuff. Like you go to the, and that's our healthcare system in general. Like yeah. we go to the doctor to fix it. Hey, I have this issue, fix it. Not, I have this issue. What are the things that I can do myself to he actually heal? Yeah, what's exactly. Been going on? And that's the problem. Like not any, so few people I think are taking personal, like they're not taking personal responsibility for their body. And if something happens, they're relying and hoping that somebody else can fix it. But like, if you're not doing the work, like, listen, I hate doing core work, hate it with a passion. It's like bodybuilding in the gym, hate it. <laughs> but like, 
that's what's helping my back and I know I have to do it. So I've been prioritizing it. I'm doing it every single day that I'm in the gym. And one day that I'm not in the gym, I'm doing that here. So you have to take personal responsibility for your own health. I know even we were sitting down watching TV on Saturday and you were just got down on the ground, did a couple exercises. And it's not like you have to sit there and do it all day. Yeah. You can take five minutes throughout the day, take, you know, five minutes when you wake up, five minutes before you go to bed. It's pretty easy to do, but same thing. Anything that's easy to do is just as easy to skip. Right. Like sitting on the couch and you know, that's a good phrase. It's, I stole that from a book. Oh. (laughs) Um, That's from. Of course you did. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Really good book. But yeah, that's what his, basically anything that's easy to do is easy not to do. So if we're sitting on the couch watching TV and it also probably doesn't make a difference. If you do it one time, it's not going to notice any difference. I was talking to somebody, I think at work just about like they were talking about improving their recovery. And I was like, if you do meditation one time, you're not going to notice anything. Mm -hmm. But if you do meditation for three years, then you're going to start to notice benefits from it. So I think a lot of people, you know, you do the, you do the one thing you do 45 minutes of stretching instead of doing 10 times throughout the day, doing like one or two stretches. Yeah. But that kind of correlates to the scarcity book that I'm reading scarcity brain is that mm-hmm. what it's called and then it's also correlating to whoop like people want instant gratification they want the reward they want the answer you know somebody just went for a run and they're looking at their apple watch or their garment or their whoop or all three of them and they're saying oh why did i only burn 800 calories you know i went for a run the same exact run a couple of days ago and i burned 1200 calories or whatever the case is it's like you just went for a run Like, that's good. Just keep doing that. Your 800 calories that you burned on a run is just, and I'm pulling it out of thin air. I'm just, I have no idea how many calories you're burning on a run. But like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I lost my own train of thought. (laughs) Well, I think it goes back to what we started with in the beginning, forgetting about peak performance. Would your results improve if you simply focus on being reliable in the normal moments? So if you went for a run three times a week, Think about that over the course of a year. That's 150 runs throughout the year. If you're so focused on that one run, you're forgetting about the other 149 good things that you did. Yeah. And you're not going to just like, just like people think, oh, Thanksgiving, I had a massive, and it's coming up in a couple weeks, right? Everybody's going to go crazy because, oh, I'm going to eat this massive meal. I'm going to have massive desserts. And they're going to think that they're putting on on 10 pounds on Thanksgiving. And it doesn't work like that. It just, that's not how the body works. And I wish more people understood that. Well, I think from the, the way we developed as humans, this is from the scarcity brain, but we used to have no access to resources. So when we got food, for like a big meal, you go for a hunt and you get a huge animal, people stuff their faces. Mm-hmm. and But after that, they didn't eat for, for a weeks, couple right? days. Yeah. Yeah. You're having rabbit for dinner and you're having like small berries, not stuff that's really going to fill you up. But 
now I think it, it's so easy to overdo. We overdo everything, obviously. But yeah, I think that one day, but do you think, can you get prepared for Thanksgiving? Like, can you, is there anything that you would recommend nutrition wise that you should do to prepare or do anything differently? Totally. I mean, I honestly think it takes a lot of mental preparation to first off understand that one meal and one day is not going to break, make or break your, um, your path, your progress. Yeah. So like, you know, if you starve yourself, and we know several people that do this, if you starve yourself all day from the time you wake up and say, oh, I'm preparing for this big meal. I can't eat all day. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to eat so much food. Your stomach actually can't handle eating a huge ass meal because it's you're so programmed and you're so used to giving your your body like a little bit of food throughout the day. So when you go to eat that big meal, first of all, you're going to get fuller way faster. You're not going to be able to eat this massive meal. Or if you do, you're just going to feel like shit. But like, just treat it like any other day. And it's just different food. We don't have green bean casserole and stuffing and, you know, plates of different types of pies every day of the week. Um, So just treat it like any other day eat a breakfast, eat a little bit for lunch, you know, don't forget to eat lunch and then go ahead and eat your dinner and have the dessert, have two slices of pie, have three, whatever you want to do, but like treat it like a regular day. So in regards to training, does that mean, you know, you should do an extra long run or no, work out? No, because that's hard? not going to matter. The extra long run or the, you know, double amount of training time in the gym, lifting weights, just because it's Thanksgiving, it's not going to matter. The body doesn't work like that. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, you see everybody does that, like, especially in CrossFit. I know that's a big thing. The day of Thanksgiving, you do a really hard workout. Yeah. Like people think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this later. So I got to make up for it now. Or the people who do it the day after. But like, even the thing is too, Thanksgiving's on a Thursday. If you usually work out on Thursday, work out on Thanksgiving. If you don't usually work out on Thursday, then don't work out on Thanksgiving. Like just treat it like a normal day. I think that's good advice. Yeah. Because you think, oh, you know, I I want that extra slice of pie. So I got to burn off these calories, but yeah. And one thing I've seen like nutrition people post all the time, it doesn't mean uh, just after holidays, but if you have a day where you're not on your diet, the best thing that you can do is make no changes the next day. So if you eat, say you normally eat 2000 calories and then you eat something, a huge dinner and you end up eating 3000 calories, that doesn't mean tomorrow you should eat 1000. Right. You just go and back to difference. yeah. Just go back to whatever that you do on a normal basis that's working for you. Like yeah. get back to that as fast as possible. Yeah. And I've even noticed, like for me, just in all areas, doing like getting back to what I know works as quick as I can. So when I mean driving across the country, doing things that are outside of the norm, we knew for the first week or so that Curtis isn't going to sleep through the night. And we're just not going to be getting as good of sleep as normal. 
how can I get back to that as fast as I can? Like knowing, hey, a week or two weeks might not be ideal, but what can we do to get back to that quick? And like being okay with that. I think people are so upset, you know, people are so obsessed with one day instead of just being like, okay, things aren't going to be ideal. It's cool. I can go a week. I can go two weeks without being on the routine, but how can I start adding stuff back in as quick as I can? Yeah. You know, getting back to Thanksgiving, um, since we're in San Antonio and we have no friends or family here, (laughs) what do you think of, you know, if we don't, if we can't like mooch off of somebody else's Thanksgiving and, and get invited somewhere, what do you think of having like a Mexican Thanksgiving and doing tacos? Okay. You're not down. No, I am. <laughs> but is there anything different, like for a Mexican Thanksgiving? Oh, I, I, I honestly have no idea. I was literally just... You're just saying eat Mexican food right, on Thanksgiving. Right, Okay, I didn't know if there was, you know... Any... There probably is a Mexican Thanksgiving, and I didn't mean to offend any Mexican <laughs> listeners, but <laughs> I have no idea what Mexicans do for Thanksgiving. Oh, I can reach out to Amy <laughs> and ask her. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what's your family do for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's the first time we're not going to be around for the holidays. That's yeah. It's going to be a little bit weird. Yeah. Don't remind me. My mom's already pissed. Really? Yeah. It's too expensive to go home. Like, yeah. it's just so crazy expensive to fly home for the holidays. And it's one holiday season. If we don't make it, we don't make it. Yeah, we can always go back. That's... I don't miss Pennsylvania at all. Like I was talking to Kim and just saying, she was saying how much she missed the East coast and she's been out for three years now. Yeah. But I was like, I don't miss Pennsylvania at all. Like I haven't, when we got here, I missed Colorado. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I, I would go back there. Yeah. But, I do miss our friends in Pennsylvania and I miss, like I miss seeing Marie and Evie and the ability to see Talia up in New York. So like that's tough. But I don't know. I know that the biggest travel sale day, like booking flights and stuff, is coming up on November 28th. I marked it on our calendar. But that's when, like, travel, booking travel is the cheapest. So maybe we should plan, like, to book a flight at some point to go home just to visit or something. Yeah. I think the hardest thing now is, like, we don't have anything there. So when... It's going to be weird going home and staying at an Airbnb. Yeah, true. We could stay at Marie's. Okay. She would love to have us. All right. Well, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, I'm sure Mike D has a spare bedroom, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Um, Got to put out these podcasts so him and Frank can keep listening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Haven't given them a shout out for a while. <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to end on because I'm supposed to be working right now but this is something I know you've been talking about getting into hip hop dance classes um, just because we have been talking about some injuries that you've been having and what would you do if you couldn't lift anymore? And I was, uh, I read, this was also on the three, two, one newsletter and I thought it really pertained to you. So it says you must cultivate activities that you love. You must discover work that you do not for its utility, but for itself, whether it succeeds or not, whether you're praised for it or not, whether you are loved and rewarded for it or not, whether people know about it and are grateful to you for it or not. How many activities can you count in your life that you engage in simply because they delight you and grip your soul? 
find them out, cultivate them for they are your passport to freedom and love. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. You know, I'm subscribed to that 321 newsletter and I haven't opened it for like a year and a half and I probably should. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think about that. Um, that's jujitsu for me, like in a nutshell. I, I know I'm not good at it and I show up like simply just because I enjoy doing it and I leave there and I'm like, I love this. I don't know why I'm not good at it all these people are progressing at it way faster than me, but I would still do it. Even if I showed up and got beat every single time, I just love doing that. But I think not enough people find that or like they look for one thing and it's not that. And then they're like, Oh, we talked about that with fitness on one of the recent episodes, like finding what that fitness thing for you is. It might be hip hop dance classes, but you might, have tried CrossFit and you're like, Oh, CrossFit's stupid. Oh, weightlifting stupid. Oh, I didn't like any of these things. And then you end up hating exercise instead of like just trying to find mm-hmm. things that you enjoy. I think that's a good one to leave people on. Like, what are those things that you do it simply be just because you love doing it? Yeah. Not because you're getting followers on Instagram or because you can document it, but or like, cause you're making a shit ton of money for it or yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. So I think, people should go out there and not be afraid to try stuff, like not be afraid to be a beginner. And I was talking to uh, Josh at the gym, like uh, actually about the podcast. And he was saying like, what's your goal with it? Do you want to, you know, make money off of it kind of thing? And I was like, dude, I just enjoy doing it. Like if it ever does succeed, great. That's awesome. If I ever do get some sponsors, like that'd definitely be nice. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just like talking to people. Yeah, like you would do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I am. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's good to leave people on. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Time for lunch. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Always appreciate you. Um, should be doing some more in-person in San Antonio here. Since I was in Colorado, couldn't really do we obviously didn't know anybody out here. I'm going to try not to have all bear barbell people on, but (laughs) I think it's going to be pretty easy to have them on. So be on the lookout for weekly episodes coming soon. Take care.